Hello, heroes, and welcome to the Marvelous Watchers podcast, issue number three. I'm Jess. And I'm Zach. And we are your hosts. Tonight, we are talking about Thor, which is one of the first Marvel films when thinking about the fact that we're going through in chronological order rather than release order. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a fun one. It's one that neither one of us had seen before, or I hadn't seen it, and it had been a long time for you. Yeah, I I had only remembered bits and pieces, so I felt like it was basically a brand new movie for me. Well, I was pleasantly surprised. I don't know why I thought it might be bad or not good, you know, whatever, but I really enjoyed it when we watched it the other night. I think it's easy when we've seen as many of these 20 Marvel movies as we have, the ones that we haven't seen or the ones that we don't go back to often, I think it's kind of easy to be like, oh, I must not have watched that because it was bad. Right. And I think that's, we haven't watched them yet, but I think that's true for a couple of upcoming movies. Guess we'll find out. We'll find out. But for this, this one, yeah, I would say pleasantly surprised for me, I think I probably rate it lower than you do. I mean, I'm not like gung ho about it. I have some issues and we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But um, again, like a good standalone Avengers movie. Yeah. Introducing no, yeah. a character. Yeah. Good. Good. St- this is a, a very good introduction to some very good characters. Yes. That are very necessary and central to the Marvel Universe. Agreed. I'm excited to go back. We'll talk about this a little bit later, but I'm excited to watch Avengers in a few weeks Mm -hmm. now after seeing Thor, because I think a lot more will connect for me because he was the one that I didn't have much backstory. backstory Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, That's kind of like general thoughts. Was there anything else overall that you wanted to chat through real quick? Um, Oh, it is a Kenneth Branagh film. I can't remember if I said that already or not. Um, who is someone I have a ton of experience watching from my English teacher days. I'm very used to seeing him in um, Shakespeare films or plays. Mm -hmm. I'm used to seeing him in things like Frankenstein, like all very traditional pieces. I am so shocked he did not cast himself in any role um, because he typically does that. He would have been an interesting Odin. Oh, that's true. Like I'm really, um, Anthony like Hopkins. An, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins is good. Yeah. But, um, and I guess I, I, in my head, I think of Kenneth Branagh as Mad-Eye Moody uh, from Harry Potter. And okay. so I, th- like, I, f- I think. You mean Gilderoy Lockhart? Yes. Yeah. yeah I'm sorry. It's okay. Wait, not the right yeah, character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lockhart, I'm sick. <laughs> yeah, just for the record, guys, Zach isn't feeling great. So yeah. um, if he says anything weird, yeah, we'll I'm, blame that. I'm doing my best. Uh, yeah, as Lockhart. So yeah, I guess for some reason in my head, I did conflate those two. But yeah, like for some reason, I think of Kenneth Branagh as a much older. Okay. Yeah, actor. he's not like super old, but he's very theatrical. Oh, and sure. so I it's, think I watched his Hamlet. Yes, like he's he's crazy good as Hamlet. He is Victor Frankenstein in one of the first film depictions of it, or first, but one of the really great depictions of it. 
Um, was this one of his early directing movies? Or I'm assuming, I mean, we'll know because he didn't he direct no. Hamlet? The yeah, movie yeah, he's done like a ton. He's done a ton of pieces, and he was chosen for. I I do think Thor, of any of the Marvel movies, is the right fit for Kenneth Branagh because of its um, steepage in mythology. Yeah, like all of the Norse mythology, like that makes sense to me. He had a ton of source material to go off of. Sure. Um, I actually read something about the fact that he, the way he chose to direct this film integrated some of the aspects of Henry V, which doesn't shock me at all. Like a ton of, um, a ton of his life has been spent in Shakespeare's head, I guess. And so it just kind of happens. Um, but I, anyway, I thought that was interesting. And with him being the director, that's very different for Marvel. I think that's something that really stands out about this film. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at their other directors, and you've got Joss Whedon, <laughs> Joss Whedon, J.J. Abrams, right. um, John Favreau, right. Taika Waititi, right? Um, uh, uh, oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank on the Black Panther director's name. Ryan, is that his first Ryan name? Ryan Coogler. Yes. Um, <laughs> Sir Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, like just very different but again fits well with the story of thor kind of crazy that this marvel origin story movie has two knighted people attached to it oh that's a good sir kenneth reynolds and sir anthony hopkins Hopkins. it's a nice little trivia point um but yeah i think in knowing that he was the director obviously every director has a huge influence on the films they create but Kenneth Branagh especially, like when you think about someone like John Favreau versus Kenneth Branagh, like yeah. he is just they both bring very different things yes. to the table. So that stood out to me immediately. I knew he was the director, and I saw it as we watched it. Um, so that was cool. Um, want to move on to characters? Yeah, let's talk. Let's hey, talk good guys. Let's talk about Thor. Uh, Chris Hemsworth. He's Lesson. pretty good and attractive. And Just a good. little. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's interesting talking kind of about like we always talk casting what ifs apparently came down to Chris and his brother Liam right. for this role. Chris was the right choice. Absolutely. Liam would have been way too like young, heart throbby. Yeah. Mean, like I mean, Chris a little is too hot, teenager-y. But, yeah. Uh, where Chris, you can tell, is like in – young adult ish. Like it, it has, it is his time to actually become king. Wasn't Liam starring in the hunger games movies, like leading up to this movie. Um, Wasn't Liam I had forgotten he was in those. He's the, but yeah, he's, uh, he's the best friend, dark haired (laughs) Gail, Gail, something like that. Yeah. Um, it's been a long time. And then obviously he was in um, the last song, like the Miley Cyrus movie. No idea. Um, yeah, he is more of the rom-com guy where Chris Hemsworth can like get after it. And I really appreciate that. Um, Thor, I love, we almost always end up talking about static versus, um, dynamic, dynamic characters, such a dynamic character. 
Thor is, is I'm like Tony Stark in the beginning, like hmm. overly confident, not quite as much of a, like a ladies man, but that right. like overconfidence in himself and who he is and what he's meant to go out and do. That's what he is there in the beginning. And it shows. Yeah. And obviously his dad ends up getting really pissed and we'll talk about that, but he loses his powers then has to earn them back. Yeah. The entire point of the movie is like the central question is, is Thor going to grow up? Like, is, is he, he going to be deserving of right. the hammer? Yeah. That's the, the, when we were planning this episode, we'd normally break it down by good guys and bad guys. Yep. And, uh, not a whole lot of straight up bad guy. I right. mean, we, we obviously have the Jotuns and, um, frost giant king right Luffy. Luffy. but honestly like i mean they're almost just used as a plot point yeah they're kind of pawns yeah and we'll, we'll talk to the uh, talk about that more in depthly but the whole point of the movie is really not a coming of age movie but a uh uh earn the throne yeah movie and thor isn't necessarily battling anything other than himself right as like the central crux i think the other thing that really sets this apart as a marvel movie or from other marvel movies is just the fact that that's what it is like it is all about the family which again we'll talk about in a bit it's it's him learning about himself it's not like ooh, i need to go save the world it's very yeah. different. And I think, again, that might be why Kenneth Branagh fits. Yeah, it's a very Zoom. I mean, for a movie that kind of introduces us to the idea of, like, the cosmic universe. Right. Of we're, you know, jumping planes and things like that. It is interesting. Realms. Isn't that realms, what he, the, yeah, the nine realms? realms? Um, it is interesting that the movie does a pretty good job of zooming in and making it about the characters i mean there's obviously huge set pieces that 150 million dollar marvel triple a blockbuster is going to be known right. for but at the end of the day it's a movie about the characters and mm -hmm. their personal development and the relationships between them and spending let's maybe like a third of the movie with thor without his powers kind of a, a fish out of water situation mm -hmm. uh, man out of time situation more accurately probably mm. um very yeah like you said i think it was a smart way to introduce us to the characters because then i think um neither one of us have seen the direct sequel the dark world right um what we know of the dark world is that it seems to be a if not the low point of the marvel universe um, but we've both seen Ragnarok, mm -hmm. which is, uh, thematically, I think a lot different than even this one. And um, I really liked that one. Obviously we'll talk about that yeah, a we'll long time it. from now. Yeah, we'll um, get to it. But that one I April. did really enjoy. Um, yeah, I mean, liked Ragnarok a lot. Um, but that, what was my point that I was trying to make? Um... It's an origin story. We go to Dark World. 
Yes. Uh, Dark World seems to be a movie where it is about the set pieces and something big this way comes. Mm. And Ragnarok is like that too. Sure. Where there is something that Thor has to face. Right. And obviously Thor is in the Avengers movies where they're obviously facing down something big. But I'm glad that for his origin story, it's less that and it's we learn about the man underneath the armor and like his powers and all that without really having to worry about um, the big set pieces, I guess. I agree. Um, next, we've got Jane Foster, who's played by Natalie Portman. Yes. Um, which is interesting. I like Natalie Portman a lot. And I think it's interesting that she chose this role. She didn't do it poorly, necessarily. I just don't... I didn't get super excited about Jane. Like, there's nothing about Jane that's exciting to me. When you think about Agent Carter and then Pepper Potts, like, I love them. And they make me want to root for them. And Jane's just kind of like, okay, cool. She's a scientist who found these things. I don't know. I think, I, I think I'm actually higher on Jane than you are. I actually really like Jane. Okay. I th- or Well, backtrack. Really like Natalie Portman. Oh, absolutely. Portraying Jane. I think Portman did as well as she could with the material that she was handed. Not a huge fan of the like falling in love with strange, basically alien over a course of what seems like maybe 18 hours. Right. Um, like, but the, I understand that that's. So I was going to bring that up earlier, but that's my it. biggest pain point with this movie is the short, like the condensed time. Well, just frame. in general, I am not convinced that all of a sudden they're in love with each other. Yeah. They could be buds. But I don't think like, oh man, something magical happened and I can't live without you. And now Thor is all sad because he's lost his connection to her. It was the kiss at the end that ruined it. Yes. I feel like I was, because I forgot that that happened. And so they had a amicable, like, okay, we know there's something kind of building there. Yeah. And, but they're going to leave and that's perfect. Like and we're always going to wonder. Yeah. Kind of, like that would have been so much better than... Ooh, here's this passionate and also kind of weird kiss. Yes. Yeah, I agree. They kiss funny. I don't remember, but that, that's probably true. I remember looking at you and being like, that was weird. Oh, I thought we were just talking about I mean, that too. it as a plot thing and not sure. the actual. It would be one thing if she was super like, I mean, you know, anyone you've gotten to know over however long this period is, what, three, four days, maybe a little longer. Like, oh my gosh, he just died. I'm really sad about that because I was starting to have feelings for him and get to know him and all of that. But then all of a sudden, like, ah, you know, can't live without you kind of feelings yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah. I, the What I really like about Jane Foster is that she is an incredibly intelligent woman yes. in a STEM field. Sure. And that she's leading it as a young woman right. who's partnered with like an older man. Right. Who, um, Eric. Yeah, like Eric a lot. Um, uh, Skarsgård, I believe the actor's name. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Yep. Great portrayal. We can talk about him in a second. 
Um, but she's doing this great scientific work, and I think that's great. I think it's that's fine, in, in a yeah. similar, um, similar to how we were talking about Pepper in yeah. Thor and Thor, or not Thor. We're talking about Thor now. Uh, Iron Man and Iron Man Two of like this woman in a high power business. Right. Um, I guess that makes sense. It's pr- it must just be more their relationship felt flat to me, and maybe that's why. Well, yeah, because basically like Thor shows up and he walks out of the shower without a shirt on. And basically at that point, Jane Foster as a character stopped being the intelligent scientist scientist that you admired. Yeah. And started being more uh, uh, a doe-eyed romance partner, essentially. And I maybe they'll bring her profession and her career back in dark world i don't know i don't know i I don't know she's not in um not in the avengers which is the next time we'll see thor which makes sense i mean you can't there there's not really a way to pigeonhole her in just to like get a natalie portman cameo i guess my thing is and i really do want to spend some time and a little bit talking about the post-credit scene my frustration is that if Jane really was the leader of this, like she's Jane freaking Foster and she's done all this incredible research. And then all of a sudden, um, Eric has like taken over the project. Oh, that's true. That would have been a very interesting. I mean, now we're kind of like, well, let's not spoil. No, Avengers. won't spoil Avengers. But I mean, in the post credit scene, yeah. he is the one who shows up. It would be interesting. Like knowing, I, I don't think it's spoilery to say, like because I think they literally say it in a title card. <laughs> Thor will return in the Avengers yeah, at they the do. end of the they movie. Do. So it's not spoilery that the end credit scene is basically the lead in to the Avengers. Um it's like he references like it, the Foster method. But right. J- the fact that she's not It would have it would have been really interesting to basically it'd be really interesting to swap those two. Yeah. Eric anyway, Jane I'll be curious to see why that happens. Maybe Dark World will explain that for me and I will be less confused or kind of let down. But again, if she is this super smart, intelligent woman leading the way, she should be more than the foster method by the end of the movie. Yeah. And I the girl left that. behind on Earth with no way to get back. Agreed. I'd agree with that. Again, I think that's a... a I think Marvel does a great job of putting their women in high-powered places and giving them a lot of agency. Mm. And I was excited about Jane at the beginning of the movie, and by the middle, I could see where it was going right. and wasn't was no longer as impressed as I thought I was going to be. Yeah, her kind of sidekicks of sorts, her collaborators on Earth. Um, we've got Eric Selvig, who's still in Skarsgård. And then Darcy Lewis, who's Kat Dennings, who I did not expect to show up in Thor. Right. Um, they were fun. They added some comic relief. We've got Darcy, who randomly uses the uh, yeah. taser. Darcy on. is a a political science major yeah. at a college, and this is her summer internship. Right. And she did, knows nothing about what's going on. Right. She uses a taser. Yep. To tase Thor yep. at one point. That was pretty Which is fabulous. pretty... Again, yeah, she's basically there for 
uh, a bit of comedy. Yep. Um, and then we have yeah, he's fine. Eric, who we basically find out was a friend of Jane's father's, and he kind of he does take on that role of protector of Jane. Yeah. Um, and, and as a source of ex- scientific exposition. Yes. And he is. I'd, I'm interested in knowing, um, A, I don't know off the top of my head what Stellan Skarsgård's um, origin, like his nation of origin is. Mm. Um, I'd, based on the symbols and his last name, I'm thinking he comes from a Nordic state, potentially. Sweden. Or his family does, Sweden. So... I'm interested. So he, Eric, is basically how they confirm or start kind of thinking about Thor as like a mythological feature figure mm-hmm. from the stories. Right. I'm interested if they would have done the same thing with his character if it was a non Nordic like Nordic region actor. Like it, oh, it clicked for me. Like it made mm. sense. It's like, Oh yeah. Stellan Skarsgård's mom would have told him the, like these stories, like these would oh, have been, I didn't even think about that. This yeah. would have been a part of his, you know, mythological education in the same way that, you know, Americans learn about Greeks and Romans sure. and end up reading things like yeah. Homer and stuff. And someone who, grew up in that area of Northern Europe would get mm. similar education. So it's like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. I don't know if I, my brain would have immediately like, like why was he told the stories of right. Thor? Like I'm told this, or I know kind of the stories of Thor and his hammer Mjolnir and Odin and all that because of the Marvel comics. Like, Sure. I don't know the Nordic gods. Oh, I have no. As and, I was having to Google a lot of that while we that. were watching, just to yeah, because I do think uh, one of the faults of Kenneth Branagh sometimes is that he gets a little too heady in his um, source material. So uh, a Shakespearean actor getting too heady in his source material, but some of those things, like I had to Google as we watched. I mean, I. I just kind of like accepted it. Yeah, as that's like, fine. Okay, I don't need to know about. But I like knowing. I I'm interested in going back now, maybe, oh, and sure. like seeing you know what are the differences between Marvel Odin and mythological Odin, right? And Frigga, like, what's her deal? <laughs> and right. Sif, like, yeah, was yeah, yeah. she a mythological feature? That why do I keep saying feature instead of figure? a mythological figure that ties into yeah. this whole thing in the same way that she does. Um, well, since of. we're talking about the, the Nordic mythology, let's move on to Odin who is played by Sir Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a fabulous job in this role. Yeah. It could have easily been a, what did I agree to? Yeah. Kind of role. I was reading. He took it on not for the Marvel universe, but for the father-son relationship. And I read something about the fact that he felt he really related to Odin. Um, that he was a very strict. Yikes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like there was some quote from his, uh, he was talking about his wife. And uh, 
anytime they disagree, he says something along the lines of, he relates to Odin. Oh boy. Relates to Odin. Well. Um, so it was a good role for him. And I think um, I think he did a really great job. I like him in that role. You mentioned, like, you know, we always talk about recasting. But he fits well in that idea of a haggard old man who is still very much a warrior, mm-hmm. but has seen some stuff. Mm-hmm. And fought some battles. Yeah. Um, trying to think of anybody that could do that role as convincingly. And I'm not... I don't come up with anybody off the top of my head where, you know... I could see a couple different people playing a Thor. Like, Chris Hemworth is obviously great, but like you can kind of trade him out. I right. think yeah. for another uh, accented actor, right? Um, Natalie Portman brought some good stuff to Jane Foster, mm-hmm. but easily swap out, swap outable. Swapable. Swap. Uh, thank you. She's easily swapable. I don't Anybody feel like else? Odin is really. No, I, I not think, as swappable. No, he. The new Sir favorite Anthony, word. Sir Anthony Hopkins brings. A lot of like grit. He's got the grit for that role. Maybe that's the word I was gravitas. Yeah, yeah. He brings a lot of gravitas to who is, you know, the god who, at least in this movie's eyes, runs the universe. And I feel like Hopkins brings an appropriate amount of gravitas to that role. Um, Like I didn't know some of the things I was looking up because I don't have the comics. Like, because I had not done any comic reading, I had no idea what Odin's sleep was. So when all of a sudden he, like, falls on the stairs, like, what just happened to him? Oh, yeah. You know, and then they obviously reference Odin's sleep, but I still had to Google it and be like, what is this thing? Like, did he just fall into a coma? I think we only picked up on Odin's sleep because we watch, or we watch the movies most of the time with the subtitles on. Maybe. Because I'm hard of hearing. Sure. And so. um, But it's helpful. Oh, no, it's super helpful, but we saw, like, the capitalization of Odin's sleep, where it was like, oh, that's a proper noun, and not just them saying Odin is asleep, or whatever. But at the same time, all of a sudden, this dude is randomly asleep, like Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. But it was helpful for me to be like, okay, when he's in Odin's sleep, he can still see and hear things. And and I think they end up saying that later. Uh, I think maybe Laufey's the one who says it later. Like, oh, they say that me and so mm-hmm. you will see me while I kill you mm-hmm. but um, the the whole idea of knowing that was helpful for me when you all of a sudden see these cutaways to him with the tear running down his face like some of that wouldn't have been obvious to someone like me who does not have the comical background well I also think if listeners haven't picked up already you and have for a long time struggled with your suspension of belief oh man and it disbelief. was yeah, that that came up. We were watching Runaways, which is another Marvel TV show, on uh, Hulu. TV show on Hulu, which is great. But that came up so much the other day when we were watching that. But yeah, suspension yeah. of del- belief is difficult for me, and plot holes are difficult for me. Whereas I like, I am able to to I'm able to watch or consume a piece of fiction and. 
I don't have to ask myself why questions very much of like, why, why didn't he do this? I'm just like, because that's not helpful for the story. And, <laughs> so like, and yeah, I, I'm not that way. <laughs> like I like that smooths over any potential potholes and I'm like, cool. Like that's how it works. Uh, some of that might also be the fact that, um, I'm a huge Dungeons and Dragons right. nerd right. and I spend a lot of my time thinking about how am I going to get my players from point A to point B. Sure. And um, I see a little bit of like the strings that are getting pulled to get characters into certain places or mm-hmm. get actions and r- get rises out of certain things. So right. maybe it's just like I don't have a problem getting a peek behind the curtain right? in order to be able to like appreciate the fiction itself where you do struggle with the like – what is this again? Why is this happening? Uh, yeah, and I don't know what, what it is about me that's like that makes that true, but it's so funny when we sit down to watch things together, whether we're in the movie theater or, you know, doing something like this because we are polar opposites about it. Like, you'll be sitting super calm, and I'm like, wait, what? No, I don't understand. Go back. Talk about it again. Like, it's really funny, and I try my best not to irritate you with it. No, you don't irritate me with it. Most of the time, I just don't answer you. Like, sure. I basically just ignore you. Yeah. Like, Which is I let helpful. you ask the question. Right. I and appreciate then that. instead of me, like, because honestly, I think it, think of it, it's for me, it's a little bit like, like, if you have to explain a joke, it's no longer funny. Like, it's not really a joke anymore. So, like, for, for me, like, when you ask a question, why did he, why did Odin just fall asleep like why is he in this like magical bed with like a golden shield i mean he literally looks like freaking snow white yeah like why is he's yeah why is he snow whiting right now yeah like i don't answer because it's like well they need to take odin out of the story so that thor has to make decisions on his Uh own and give loki the place of power that he's been searching for in order to create a con a direct conflict between the the two siblings and when i say it out loud that sucks and it's no longer fun (laughs) so which is why i normally just don't answer that's fine i will continue asking the questions (laughs) yeah that's fine like and I, i it's fun to talk about like here on the podcast but i wouldn't have even thought and i'm normally the person when it's a real story i'm absolutely like if it's based on a true story I'm looking at the things Wikipedia page the entire time. Oh, sure. So it is interesting that I, um, I want to know the real st- story, mm-hmm. and I'm looking up things on like documentaries or oh, yeah. inspired by true events based on a true story type movies or TV shows or whatever. And then as soon as we get into stuff like comic book heroes or sci-fi fantasy stuff that I grew up on, I'm just like, yeah. It's duh, duh. Like of <laughs> maybe it's because he needs to travel across the world to get a seed out of a specific tree. <laughs> yeah, I think um, you know maybe it is my former teaching background that like I'm oh I was always analyzing a piece, like always looking for connections. I don't know, but that is a big part of me. So expand on that, please. Mm. Really? No, that was basically what you had to say all oh, the time. Sure. What's I feel like uh, there was even tell a more, me more about that. In, there were more. There was even a more English term than expand that I got a lot in it, high was school. Was it expound? 
I don't remember. Not a huge mm. deal. Okay, we'll move on. Sorry. Uh, let's talk about the Warriors three. They were there. They were there. Thor's, you know, kind of buddies. I did want to point out we love Jamie Alexander, who is in Blind Spot. She, yeah, she's in Blind Spot. Um, it was we interesting. Might be one of twelve people that still enjoy that television show. Well, and I actually, have not seen this current we, season. Yeah, you, you haven't actually let us continue to watch the show. Because, because I didn't, didn't like the like... way that it went, but I do like Jamie Alexander. Yeah. Okay. I also really love Josh Dallas, who was in Once Upon a Time, which you did not watch with me, because nope. it was corny and cheesy, and I get it. And normally I like corny and cheesy. That's not normally an issue. But uh, there, yeah, there was something about the visual style of that show that I did not, I did not enjoy. Anyway, it's always nice to see someone from a show you like kind of random. Pop up. So sure. seeing Jamie Alexander and Josh Dallas made me happy. Um, then I think the last good guy I really want to touch on is Heimdall. Mm. Idris Elba. He's pretty good. Perfection. Pretty good at what he does, I guess. He is blind but sees all. We haven't even seen Luther, like his BBC show that mm. like kind of put him on the map. Well, he's fabulous. He's great. And I, yeah, and, and him as Heimdall. I want to say that casting an incredible actor like Idris Elba as Heimdall is a little wasteful, but um, hopefully, I all I'll say is I hope Heimdall has more screen time moving forward in either Dark World or in upcoming uh, upcoming movies sure. that have not been released yet because. Idris Elba's great. Oh, he he does get some screen time he does. later. Later. That's great. Yeah, never mind. But yeah, really good. Heimdall easily could have been a character we wouldn't bring up, but I think Elba brings a certain something to that character that makes you kind of talk Very about captivating. it. Very captivating, yeah. Love, love, love him. Um, some non-character items that I did want to hit on. Okay. Um, Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Pretty key when talking about Thor. Yeah. Kind of like his thing. Yeah. The wielder of Mjolnir. Big fan. It was super interesting to me. I read something about how when it falls on Earth, mm -hmm. when you look at it, it's Captain America's shield in the sand. I read that. Interesting. Um, and in general, very much a sword in the stone moment, like a King Arthur moment when he can't pull it out of the rock. Very, uh, well, I think history major mm -hmm. checking in. I think not knowing exactly the timelines on either one of these mythological stories, I would say that the originators of that arthurial legend was probably heavily inspired and probably heard a similar story. Mm, that makes sense. I just, I saw the connection. Yes. That's oh, all absolutely. I mean by that. Yeah. 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 I will. And yeah, I, I just, I love the crossover in when mythological stories end up telling the same thing. Oh, for sure. And, um, Excalibur and Mjolnir are, um, two very cool, very interesting mythological items, and I, I think, um, I think they did a pretty good job in this movie of showing the importance of Mjolnir 
and making it a central part of Thor as his character. Good point. Then I also want to hit on the Bifrost. Yeah, super cool. It's pretty key. Hi, Harry. Um, I did just want to hit on it because that is a central tool for them to go to and from Asgard. Yes. Um, it's a huge part of Heimdall. Yeah, like you literally, know, like as that's the his gatekeeper. role. His role is to make sure that people using the Bifrost get to where they're supposed to be going. Right. So, um, I did not anticipate it being destroyed at the end. Yeah, that was uh, a very cool moment. A very quick thinking on Thor's part, kind of like the defusing the bomb type situation, yeah. sacrificing something that he knew was going to have large repercussions in order like for the greater good. Yeah. Um, I am super curious to see what happens moving forward because we know from the fact that he's in future movies that somehow they they leave Asgard. So do they rebuild the Bifrost? You know, what do, what do they do? Loki had mentioned that there were other ways in and out um, when he was speaking to Heimdall. Harry is in Zach's face. Um, Down. So I'm just curious to see what happens there because that's a pretty big plot point. Well, with what's the, with the Bifrost, we we see we see Thor in Avengers. Right, which this is the next movie, and I don't remember this discussion. No, he just shows up. He just shows up. So anyway, I'm curious to see what happens. Um, moving on to the bad guys, which really will kind of transition into a different type of conversation. Cause as we mentioned earlier, it's not a huge, uh, not a huge like battle of a moment. Like we see in like Iron Man, Iron Man two, Captain America. We've got Loki who is the God of mischief, Tom Hiddleston, um, who is Thor's brother. Um, and you don't know that he's the bad guy in the start, which is pretty common. Um, but then he goes and, you know, wants to take over Asgard. Yeah. Super. Loki's a super interesting character overall in this movie and in the Marvel universe. Obviously this is our introduction to him. There's so, a lot more of him to come. Yeah. Fans can look forward to having Loki around for, if anything, I think I learned more about Loki in this movie than I did Thor, which is why I'm so excited to watch Avengers in a mm. few weeks. I understand Loki so much more now. Like yeah. going into this movie and then of course even in the the first third or so did not anticipate the like getting the rug pulled out from under me a little bit and realizing that he was Laufey's son. Right. Uh some of those big about his character yeah. that are super important and are huge explanations of his motivation. Yes. But even still, and not just because he's the God of mischief, but he was instigating all of this before he even knew. Yeah, no, like, I mean, he was a, we kind of toyed with the idea of like, where do we put Loki in the discussion for today's episode? But he is absolutely a bad guy. Like he has some redeeming qualities to him and there are 
maybe it points some he truly cares about Odin right. and Thor and Asgard in a non-selfish manner. But But yeah. Loki is about Loki. Loki's about Loki. He is always out for him looking out for himself. He in this movie. Um, and most of the movies, I would say. Like most of what he does is for himself. Yep. And so this whole idea of like even the fact, like, I didn't anticipate him killing Laufey either there in Odin's chamber. Um, like oh, yeah. He, he finds out that, that he's not Odin's son. Right. And then sets up this whole thing to then look good to Odin. I genuinely believed him when he goes to see Laufey and is like, hey, I'm going to give you access to Odin so you can kill him. Did not surprise me at all. And then all of a sudden he turns on him and kills him in order to prove himself to Odin. I think... He's complex, man. He's complex. <laughs> I think my my take on Loki has always been um, that he... He's out for himself, obviously, but he will hitch his cart to whichever horse looks like it's going to win in the yes, moment. That's he always point. sets himself up to be able to switch sides based on who he thinks is winning. He never right. locks himself in. So I honestly think he did plan on Laufey entering Odin's chambers and slaying Odin there. Hmm. Like, I think that was the plan. Okay. And then Thor returns and kind of like, cause that wasn't the, at that point, wasn't Thor still banished Oh yeah. when he was talking to Laufey. Oh yeah. And then by the time that Laufey is in Asgard, Thor is returned. That, that makes sense. Like so he like, is returning. Yeah. By that time, Loki probably knows he's, Headed yep. his way and wants to spare himself, basically. Yeah, Loki knows I was I was cool with this because like I was cool with Laufey originally killing Odin because it gives me a chance at the throne. Right. And Thor's gone, so nobody's gonna be around to see it. Crap, Thor's back. There's gonna be a challenge for the throne. Right. Between me and Thor. I mm -hmm. don't know if I'm I can win that. Instead, I can put myself in good graces with Asgard mm -hmm. by killing oh the would be murderer right. of Odin Laufey. So like well, especially I, with his mom watching. Yeah, exactly. So I think so on one hand you might say like that was that was Loki's plan all along was to set up Laufey. But I find it more interesting, and I, my take on the character has always been he's, he always leaves a door open for himself to switch sides if he needs to. That makes sense. I like that. Um, I, this family dynamic is super complex, but also like as old as the hills, which obviously is based on mythology. But this whole idea when you look at when you watch the origin story towards the beginning when mm -hmm. they're young, and Odin talks about how both Loki and Thor are destined to be kings, but only one 
yeah. will take the throne. You're like, well, cool. Now like, you've like really screwed the pooch um, and just really set them up to rival each other their whole lives. Not a, not a move I would choose if I was a parent. No. <laughs> Setting my two sons up to basically be in competition with another for the rest of Especially knowing what we know about Loki now, like that he was adopted. Yeah. Like Odin knew yeah. that at like he knew from the get go that Loki wasn't a le- most people would not view Loki as a legitimate heir to the throne of Asgard. Right, right, right. But Odin set himself up to be able to compete for that, which I guess on you could say is admirable. But yeah interesting an interesting way to choose to raise your two sons as they compete for the throne that you leave behind and obviously that just sets up so much for the entire story um because they continue to face off and then you know loki as god of mischief just continues to deceive his brother and his family over and over again well i think loki actually says it at one point towards the end of the movie he says I never wanted the throne. I simply wanted to be your equal or something like that. Like he's that's just heartbreaking. Yeah. But he just always had a, um, a complex. Oh yeah. Again, he was set up for it. Yeah. Um, really all Odin's fault. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I, I think it's super admirable that Odin adopted him. Like did not leave him to die, but then to be dishonest about it and then to cause such an intense rivalry. Right. Is just really crappy. Um, Very mythological. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Our other bad guy is Loki's dad, Laufey, who I read in Norse mythology is actually the mother. So it's interesting that they place Laufey, I'm sorry, Laufey, as a male yeah. character yeah. in this case. I don't I don't know why. This seems kind of old-fashioned to me. Could have easily had a queen matriarch kind of leading the... the I think that would have created a really nice balance since um, the queen of... Frigga. Um, Frigga, is that really her name? Yep, yep Frigga. Wow. Um... Frigga is just, I mean, you know. Barely there. Barely there. Just like we see her maybe two times and she does not have many lines at all. But like not seeing that matriarchy or even just like maternal presence doesn't exist. And I'm not saying that Laufey would have been maternal, but, but having that female power. This movie is full of testosterone. Very Kenneth all, Branagh. <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. It's just spraying tea <laughs> as much as it can. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely think this movie could have, I thought we were going to get that with Jane Foster. Mm. Uh, a, a, a woman's touch and a little bit of balance to that huge amount of testosterone. I mean, that is we the idea in that she teaches him softness and compassion. I didn't buy that at all. I don't think 
because it literally it, happened in like right. But that was the idea: is that his encounter with her is what made him worthy of. Yeah. Mjolnir. Yeah. And I will say, I meant to say this earlier. Thor and Jane, and not just because of her name, have very much a Tarzan and Jane thing going on. Oh well, yeah. Like in the sense a, that he shows up in this world, and yes. she has to teach him everything. Yeah, I mean, opposites, I guess. Like, and. In this story, Thor drops in, and then oh, I guess that's true. I um, just thought of them as like the they Jane went to his world. That makes sense. So, but yeah, no, still a very like that is a similar relationship of Jane's teaching humanity. Yeah, modern for the time. Sure, sensibilities, and then they end up falling in love in a very short period of time right basically yeah holy cow i just kind of put that together yeah basically the entire earth um storyline is just basically tarzan in reverse yeah huh interesting you can play with that later <laughs> yeah, yeah, I kind of have to roll that around my head a little bit more. I, I made that note almost immediately, though. That was something that really stood out to me. Maybe it was because of her name, and so it, you know, yeah. like the TNJ bit. But for sure, um, let's see. We didn't talk about um, two shield agents. Uh, oh, we're getting that, there. Oh, okay. Excuse me. Sorry. So we've got. Oh, I mean, I was about to move on to to Marvel Universe ties. Yes. Perfect. And kind of hints. So obviously we have Agent Coulson show he shows up. So great. Um, and that actually is what the post credit scene was for Iron Man Two. I That's the is that the only time that happens? Like something uh, from the film being pulled for the post credit scene. About, I was about to say, like that looked like the exact it was. scene. It was, and I was bummed by that. Yeah. Once I, was I not saw the impressed. movie, I was like, "Well, shoot, like it's that not wasn't special. original." <laughs> yeah, it's not special when. Yeah, it might be the only time they've actually used the post credit scene in a movie. That and I or was not that or the movie. That scene had already been shot, and they chose to use it as post credit, and then it also made the movie. It would be interesting to see the timeline on that because I yeah. think Iron Man came out the same year. Iron Man 2. Yeah, they were both 2011. So it would just kind of be interesting to see the sequencing of that. I wouldn't be surprised, but that sucks. Yeah, I wasn't. I'm I mean, that, that I love the post credit scene. So by the time we got to the actual scene, I was like, oh, man, they took it straight from them. Yeah, I just lost, lost that special, especially since we're watching these so yeah, close yeah, yeah. in time That's, it's like oh that was the literal that shot, was the last shot, thing we saw yeah um so obviously you have agent colson who i'm a little confused by in this movie because it seems like he has no idea who thor is yeah so in iron man in future movies like whatever it may be he's in the know and here he's like who is this dude? Where I thought. I don't think anybody knew who Thor was. Like this okay. movie was his introduction to earth. That's I guess I just wasn't, but, um, Oh, shoot. um, 
I'm blanking. Samuel L. Jackson. Fury. Fury knows who he is because he has the Tesseract from Odin. The Tesseract was previously in that hall of Odin's where... Was it? Yes, I read about that. No. No, the Tesseract has been... The Tesseract was buried with Captain America. So there was something that I read. Nice. I'll have to find it. But there was something where like Odin and Fury had a past relationship. Like there was something that he had gotten from him. So he would have known of Asgard and its existence. I'd be interested if that there's like a prior relationship between Odin and like shield. Um, I'm trying to find it really quick because it, obviously agent Coulson works for fury. So again, it just would have been very odd to me. It's see, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if fury was, I mean, fury keeps stuff to himself. That makes all sense the time. too. So he probably, I mean, and he might've, known Odin, but they wouldn't have necessarily had a relationship with Thor. Yeah, that's true. So, um, I guess since he didn't have his powers, but I would have thought he might have known about something like Mjolnir. Um, anyway, we can also talk about the fact that um, the scientists actually refer to Hank Pym, who will come up in Ant-Man. Yes. Um, about gamma rays and research. Uh, that was about Bruce Banner. Because it's gamma oh, really? rays that... Somebody oh. mentioned that it was a... there. He actually references Hank Pym in a deleted scene. He, do, he, re, he references Hank Pym by name in a deleted scene, but in an actual scene in the movie. That one when he talks was about, about Bruce Banner? Yeah. The okay. one about gamma radiation. That's the one about... Shows you what happens Bruce when I try to do the research. <laughs> well, that's, well, I think... It probably means we probably should have watched Incredible, Incredible Hulk, Hulk, maybe in between Iron Man and Iron Man Two. That's interesting. But with our, and probably could have put that in the schedule, but it worked out since we had the tef- tech issues. Being able to talk yeah, about yeah, Iron yeah. Man One Absolutely. and Two together in an episode worked out chronologically. That probably means, I mean, even though the movie doesn't reference anything that happens to Bruce Banner mm-hmm. is very possible that Bruce Banner n- is known for working with gamma radiation. Yeah. Cause it's not like he was unknown yeah. prior to becoming the Hulk. Yeah. I mean, obviously with the post credit scene for Thor leading directly into um, Avengers mm-hmm. probably would have made sense to not like drop Hulk, but it's not a huge deal. I yeah. don't think it ruins the viewing experience for anybody. Nope. Um, I'll try to find that later and we can just, I'll bring it up next week we if I find the answer. Oh, yeah, I need to issue, uh, remind me before we finish, I need to issue a c- correction okay. from our last episode. Oh boy. Now I have to find the person on Twitter who let me know that I got something wrong. Oh, that's funny. On our Iron I'm Man proud of episode. you, whoever you are. Um, I've, I've so made we were, a note about corrections. Yeah. So we were talking about. Um, um, 
we were talking about Marvel stuff. So, really fun. Hawkeye makes an appearance. Yeah. Clint Barton. Yeah. Uh, I love, love Hawkeye. Yes. One of my faves. Uh, I think people might be down on Jeremy Renner for some reason. Which is I a bummer because I love him as I, I like him in everything that I've seen him in. That, yes, but um, I I think he's a great fit for Hawkeye. Yeah. Um, and I, what I'll say is I think if you're – it seems like a – that was a wink and a nod to comic fans having Hawkeye – like well they never called him by his code name hawkeye no they just called him barton they just called him barton agent barton comic book fans would have picked up on that but that was way too big of a role like if they had just dropped agent barton's name never shown the guy and he didn't have lines i was not sure whether or not we would see his face like i was curious to see if it was jeremy renner when i heard agent barton and then when it was, I was very, very happy that it wasn't just like a silhouette person. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I just, those were just way too big a wink and not. I think that would have left audiences, if you don't know, if you were a new watcher mm-hmm. to the Marvel Universe, you're like, who the heck is this guy who picked a flipping bow and arrow instead of a gun? Instead of a gun. Like, there was no explanation, no real backstory. I don't think we need to know about the existence of Agent Burton and Hawkeye. No, like I don't think it would have hurt the movie. Knowing we're going to see him in Avengers. I don't feel like that's really a spoiler. No, not at all. I don't feel like we needed that as like a connecting point between Thor and mm-hmm. blah, blah. But um, yeah, that's... My thought, my, that's my thought process on it. I found it. So it says that when Eric Selvig is in the library looking at the book of Norse mythology, there's an illustration of Odin walking across the Bifrost Bridge with his spear in one hand and the Tesseract in the other. And in Captain America, the Red Skull mentioned that the Tesseract was the jewel of Odin's treasure room. So technically there's not a connection with Fury in that note, but that does show that there is a connection there. And the, so now the Tesseract used to be in Asgard and it somehow ended in, which makes me excited again, again to watch Avengers and see hmm. Thor and Loki's reactions to this piece. Sure. And we can talk about that maybe a little bit with the post credit scene. Um, Right now, fans and viewers just know that it's a huge source of energy. Yes. I will give you a heads up. The Tesseract does not go away. There you go. It does not go away. No. (laughs) Pretty big plot point for basically the first three phases of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, for sure. Um, So anyway, there's that. So Hank Pym, Hawkeye, uh, when the Destroyer shows up, you hear um, Coulson ask if the Destroyer is one of Stark's. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to think if there are any other Marvel ties. Was there something you were thinking of that I didn't have? 
this movie is a really good introduction to a lot of characters that are going to be in the Marvel universe. I don't think there's anything more that you didn't mention, mm-hmm. but, um, I don't know. Just in general, I feel like this movie was way more of a, more like a, here's these characters that you're going to see for a long time where with Iron Man and Captain America, I felt like, Oh, these were origin stories to the basis of their characters. Gotcha. And maybe it's because Thor was Thor before we started the movie. Right. Like he loses his power. So we get to kind of see him develop a little bit, but, um, a little more, maybe that's splitting hairs, but I feel like this movie was more of an introduction where Iron Man and Captain America are origin stories. Okay. And I just, uh, but it does a great job of introducing several big plot devices that we see. Yeah. Eric Selvig comes back, um, to Tesseract, uh, is a big plot point. And that seems to have like an Asgardian connection. Thor is obviously like an Avenger and is going to be around for a long time. Mm. Loki, he keeps You know what up. I just realized with Loki? So, um, and I remember thinking this as I watched it. I was shocked when he dropped off of the bridge. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, they think he's dead. Right. And the only reason we know he's not is because of the post credit scene. Right. Well, we knew when we, because we've seen the Avengers, we knew right. when he dropped. But if a viewer stuck around, like in the movie theater for the post credits, like, oh, snap, he's, yeah, yeah, not yeah. only is he not dead, he's on Earth and he's getting involved. Right. Like, so it, but because I knew Loki was going to be around, he dropped and I was like, like yeah. that was a that was a big deal for me from having watched other movies first. Um, so I'm curious to see when Thor realizes Loki is alive and how that goes now. Because obviously, the first time I watched most most of these movies, I did not know that dynamic. Yeah. That'll be fun. Hey, let's talk favorite lines. Did you have any? We chuckled at a few when we were watching. I don't think there was as many standouts to me as there were for maybe Iron Man, but maybe that's because I kind of like Tony Stark's humor is a little bit more my humor. Um, Oh, Thor calling Coulson son of Cole, like misunderstanding his name. That's just, that's good writing. Yeah, that was fun. Great. That's, taking something that was already there and realizing like two things that exist independently and being able to mix them in for a pretty like heady and (laughs) uh, that that's my kind of joke. I liked that a lot. Um, Not necessarily like a great line, but I did basically the entire scene of Thor with the scientists in the diner. Yes. The I have very several kind of, of those. like man out of time. We've got, uh, do not mistake my appetite for apathy. Oh yeah. Like 
tattoo that on my arm. Please. And then uh, for a crazy homeless person, he's pretty cut. I think Kat Dennings character said that when he had his shirt off. Um, and then two from the very beginning, Odin says a wise King never seeks out war, but most, but must always be ready for it. That was a nice line. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> when they go after, Laufey, when they go after the frost giant and Laufey knows exactly how to push Thor's buttons and says, run back home, little princess. Yes. That one was fun. Yeah. So lots of uh, little cheek. But I was, I was anticipating a funnier movie. Maybe it's like talking with kind of word has gotten out among like our real life friends that we're doing this podcast. Right. So I'm having conversations about these movies with people and several people told me that they remembered this movie being funny. That's interesting. I definitely feel that way about Ragnarok, which we won't spoil. It's funny, but this was Kenneth Branagh's not funny. Right. Like this, I think Marvel does this, does comedy moments inside of big action movies very, very well. And they rely on that a lot in basically all of their movies and they basically just turn the dial on like, are we making this an action comedy? Like you could almost have that conversation about movies like guardians of the galaxy or Thor Ragnarok. Like those are borderline action comedies all the way down to, um, or even Ant-Man is, Oh man, uh, that was one of the main reasons I loved Ant-Man. I think, um, and and part of that might also be Paul Rudd. And I would say... Well, I think that they had a vision for an action comedy and very yes, intelligently casted well. a comedic actor. But then I will also say there are plenty of moments in Jon Favreau's Iron Man films that right. are funny. Yeah, and I think he, he kind of sets a stage and a tone that obviously pr- works well. And I think the comedic moments inside a bit big action movie is, is what... That sets Marvel apart. Right. I really think like that's what makes a Marvel movie different than World War Z or, you know, that came to mind first, but just Even some of these DC crazy, movies. yeah, these crazy action movies that are super serious. Like, no, Marvel brings the fun and shows incredible action. Yeah. So I was a little disappointed coming into this movie thinking it was going to be higher on the comedy scale. That makes than, sense. Like, I think I got, it probably got less chuckles out of me than even something I like Iron Man or Iron Man 2. A fabulous scene, and I wrote down what you said, is when all of the guys from the town are trying to pull Mjolnir out of the rock. And all of a sudden, there's this guy grilling hot dogs. Oh my gosh, that was amazing. You, you died, and you that said, so I wrote funny. it down, you said, man, you've got rednecks all over the country. Yeah. Well, but we're in North was, Carolina. I grew up in the mountains yeah, where I grew up with a lot of rednecks and I do not say that derogatorily. Like no, that's just, I mean, they were just, they're, they're, you would blue collar. They are people, people who are, would pull up a grill and start hot yeah. dogs when there was an event for anything. Yeah, and no, and that this was, was such a great a, example of that. <laughs> I, I said rednecks. I really like, I mean, that's such a Southern thing to me of like, oh my gosh, we got ourselves a little event. Let's like Let's break out food. the grill and like yeah. uh, a very like uh, 
absolutely something that would have happened in my hometown oh, growing yeah. up. So like that got a that got a good rise out of that me. was that was a great little scene. So that was I wish there was, you know, one or two more of those moments. We see Loki being a source of comedic relief in other movies that I don't remember him being in this movie. No, because I think it was such an important you had to set up his motivations and yeah, if he was going to be that funny, was it would kind of undermine that. Yep. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, okay. With that in mind, is there anything that you weren't a fan of outside of what we talked about earlier with the Thor Jane love sequence, how it was flat went way too quickly? No, I think that's, I mean, I think it's a big miss for the movie. Cause I think that, I mean, that's a huge, a large storyline. Especially when you think about like Captain America and Agent Carter, for example, that's an example of showing that. Well developed. Yeah, yes. Because that movie took place over a period of time. Oh, that's fair. And they don't, there, we don't have any kind of like wink or nod at like how much time is being spent on earth. That's true. Like they could have easily. That could have been a week. It could like, have been three days. Yeah. We have no Could have been clue. a month. It, it could have been less than a day. Like he literally could oh, have yeah. gotten, it was night when he gets hit by the car. He's in the hospital. It's night again when he goes to try to get Mjolnir out. So it's at yeah. least so, 48 hours. Yeah. Two days. That's, that's a weekend. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty crazy to me. So the sped upness of it, I think it loses the, the earth plot loses some of its, gravitas and its meaning just at how quickly it comes out i already said that i wasn't a big fan of the use of hawkeye and agent barton in this movie for i, I think it alienates a large percentage of your audience to do such a big in-universe wink without doing a whole lot of explaining and then never actually Since he showing hasn't him. shown up previously he had never shown up previously and he doesn't even show off like we get Natasha in Iron Man 2. That's true, yeah. And they're basically, they're hoping to do the same thing with Barton that they did with Natasha in Iron Man 2. Except she they had never, such a larger role. She had a larger role, but also she gets to show off her powers, or not her powers, but her skills. Yeah, crazy so like, skill. Yeah, like both. Yeah, he never ended up shooting anything. Never shot anything. Even if he had like, he was like, oh man, stand down. And then you go and you like shoot something else instead. Uh, yeah, there's a, there are like, that much, but. and he just, I mean, you barely get any of his personality either. Like his one line that's kind of funny and shows a little bit of his personality is like, he was like, uh, I think he tells Colson, it's like, you want me to take him down? Or are you just going to keep sending guys for him to beat up? Yeah. Yeah. Or, and then he said, uh, you better hurry with this Colson. I'm starting to cheer for the guy. Mm -hmm. Those are his two lines. They're supposed to be funny moments, but because we don't know who this person is, it's kind of hard to see them as like jokes. And you're like, okay, cool. Like a quippy guy with a bow and arrow. There's so much more to Hawkeye and Barton than that, that, we find out later that it just seems kind of cheap and um, alienating. Um, so those are the two probably big things I wasn't a huge fan of. Um, I think they used their minor characters fine. P- 
people like Sif and the Warriors Three, they literally brought nothing to the table other than them coming to Earth. They showed up. They showed up and was able. They fought the Destroyer before Thor got the hammer back. I think they helped but show some of the dynamic in Asgard of like being uncertain of building. Loki. They were basically yeah, yeah, yeah. character. They yep. were they were world building with lines. Mm. And faces, and that's cool. And maybe they come up a lot bigger, maybe in Dark World. Um, and they needed to be like, and I'm not a big comic book guy when it comes to Thor, so maybe these are integral people as a part of a storyline that it wouldn't be Thor without introducing yeah, Sif like they and the were Warriors a nod Three. To the Thor yeah, fans. yeah, that. Are obviously like they bring something more than like Barton did that like more of a wink and a nod. So okay, really quick, let's. No, hang. On. Did you not like anything? Was there anything you didn't like? Other um, than the, the only thing other than the romance was the weird dinosaur and the frost giant. That was a little thing. Oh, the huge beast that they like unlocked. I was like, is that a dinosaur? You did, yeah, you said that out loud. Um, it was funny. just a little bit of a strange thing, but that's it. Otherwise, yeah. for the most part. It was an origin story. It did its job. Yeah. Um, Seven out of ten. Sure. Trivia real quick. I learned that Stan Lee had seriously considered playing the Odin role. Yeah. That's fascinating to me. That would have sucked. Um, as much as I, I love Stan Lee. Oh, like, I love Stan I Lee. I want to get an Excelsior And he tattoo. also loves Anthony Hopkins. He's so once he was cast, he was like perfect. Yeah. He's the great Odin. Like, yep. Um, and he knew it. So Odin I was do way appreciate too that. big of a role for Stan Lee to play. Sure. Um, also, crazy tidbit is that the scene where Odin banishes Thor was completely improvised. Like, Anthony Hopkins did not have a script. So great. Wow. Like, that's intense. It felt very real. Yes. And knowing what you said earlier at the beginning of the podcast about Hopkins kind of identifying a little bit with right. Odin. I was like, oh, a boy. great opportunity. Sounds like for a conversation him. he might have had before. <laughs> I mean, it was just really, really great. Like, I would not be bummed to go back and watch that scene again, knowing that and being like, wow, that's crazy. Yep. Um, but it stood out so much that when I read it, I was like, that makes sense. He did a great job. Um, another fun item is that that entire town was created for the set. That's excessive. And when I think about it, like after reading that, I'm like, yeah, that was a, that was a set. Like it was kind of a dinky little town set up yeah, to be destroyed a, a for the scene at the end. Like Magic Kingdom Main Street. Yeah. They probably just built like. With some of the, the wide shots, mm -hmm. uh, like the aerial shots that Brennall choose to take. Yeah. You could tell that it was this tiny dinky town in the middle of the desert, and that doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. It's so maybe that's an issue that I have. It's it's. I mean, only because I read the trivia, though. I guess. Yeah, it's almost like you went digging too far. Yeah, I guess I should <laughs> you stop. Something for you. <laughs> um, the only other thing that I want to talk about before we give our rankings is that post-credit scene, where um, Eric Selvig, the scientist, shows up. And Fury is there. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, this is pretty normal. Like, this is setting up for Avengers because we know Avengers. And then right there at the end, after Fury basically shows the Tesseract as a power source, you see in the mirror Loki. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. I have questions. Okay. So is this Loki possessing Eric? Is this Loki just kind of hanging out in the mirror or being invisible or whatever, watching it happen? Yeah, I think it's more of that okay. than him possessing Eric. It was just one of those things that I was like, for reasons that we can't talk about without spoiling something. Sure. I'm pretty confident. But it was just one of those things where I was like, this is interesting. Yeah. How did you get here? You yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. that. It was the perfect setup for some, like when thinking about a cliffhanger, it was great because yep. you're like, oh man, I thought he was dead. You know, if you hadn't seen anything else. Right. He's watching something that must be important. Yeah. Another question would be like, where's Jane? Which we mentioned, you know, yeah. all of that. I think it's, uh, that was such a great post credit scene that Yoss Whedon did leading up to Avengers. Was there anything else you wanted to say? about that? No, good post credit scene that, um, Marvel, I kind of forgot that Marvel's post credit scenes literally were ties to, the next movie or like the next big movie they've become less that i think just because of like production schedules they're sometimes not it being depends like sometimes they're for fun as many times like the one that we saw in into the spider-verse was for fun potentially like a lead into a sequel like Maybe. but no spoilers. for the most part just for fun and really kind of a wink and a nod oh that's to true there were culture. two i forget that sometimes there are fun ones and then you wait a little while longer and there's another one i was thinking of the one that was just for kicks and giggles yeah but like there's one you know even just moving forward like they're they're most of the post credit scene in the last two or three years have just been big universe wink and nods sure. to other characters or other things happening. Um, and there's so much overlap now. I think you were starting to say that. Yeah. Like, yeah. But like, um, I, I forgot the post credit scenes why we got excited to stick around after the credits to see a post credit scene right. was because we used to get a glimpse, like of almost like a, a little teaser yeah. of like, what kind of story are we going to see next? Mm. Which has dropped off a little less. So I th uh, dropped off, I think in most recent ones. So the, it's a good, good post credit scene. For sure. All right. Let's rank the movies we've seen so far. Where are you at? Um, Iron Man two or Iron Man, I think is still my favorite, and Iron Man two is still my least favorite. Yep. And I would probably put this. Ooh, I I would go Iron Man at the top, then Captain America, then this, then Iron Man two. I'm I've got the same ranking. Yeah. I think right now I think we're in sync. We'll end up diverging a little more later. Yeah. Like as we, the movies kind of come together in universe and then right. split in universe, they get a little more complicated, but I mean, and we've only seen four movies right now. And I think, um, we talked ourselves into agreeing on at times, unlike Iron, Iron Man, Man. Yeah, yeah, on yeah. The Iron Man movies. Well, it had just been so long. Since I had seen it. Right. And then I was reminded why it was awesome. Yeah. Which is the whole point of our nice little look back in this podcast. Yeah. I think 
um, as movies, Iron Man and Captain America are a lot closer together. And I think I just, I prefer a character over another character. Right. And that so makes that's why I, I prefer Iron Man over Captain America. I think there's a, there is a, like if we're ranking on a 10 point scale, I think Iron Man and Captain America are both eights and, and Thor was a, a seven. So I would say that Iron Man was like a eight and a half, nine. And then actually Captain America being more like a seven, six and a half and Thor being like six and a half, six. Like Do you see I, that big of a gap between Iron Man and Captain America, you think? Currently, yeah. Interesting. And I think the way that Captain America and Thor were created are more similar than the way that Iron Man and Captain America were made. The way that they- The characters the, or the movie? The way they tell the story in, gotcha. in the movie. So um, I think the way that Iron Man's story is told is much more compelling. Interesting. I don't know. I'll have to think on it more, obviously. And we've got another 20 weeks to, to do that. Not another 20 weeks. Well, we're a month into this 20 week. Project. Oh, that's true. So like 14 we're, weeks. We are. There's no way we're 25% of the way through this. Maybe we're only three. We're three weeks in because of episodes. Yeah. This is our third episode. Yeah. We're almost 25% of the way there. That's crazy. We're close. Nuts. All right. Do you want to issue your correction? I don't remember what it was and I couldn't quickly find it. Oh no. So if. Like, was I, it, was it, uh, tweeted at us at marvelous pod? I don't, I, I quick, I looked in there and didn't, didn't see it. Okay. Well, while I'm looking behind you, since you're sick, that's what I'm going to say. Um, yeah. I, if do you want to talk about our next it, movie and where people can find it? Yeah. So, um, we're watching the incredible Hulk next. Neither Jess or I have seen it. Nope. So this is one of those where we're, we're going in blind. Um, not uh, honestly, I have no idea what to expect with this movie. I know. And I love Mark Ruffalo so much, so I hope it's good. But then I think some of the previous reminder, Mark Ruffalo is not in this movie. Oh, that's right. <laughs> They recast. Oh, poo. Yeah. It's, um, it's Ed Norton. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm already prejudiced against it now. I've got to wipe my slate clean. Yeah. Mark Ruffalo famously not appeared in a solo Marvel movie. Mm. Um, so we're watching the incredible Hulk. Uh, I, I I think we, the chrono chronologically, it will still fit. It won't lead directly into Avengers, but, um, from talking with people that do remember seeing this movie, it drops us off for that character. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense. Um, I think it is not available on any like streaming platform like Netflix. So I think you're going to have to go to your preferred um, market to rent it, whether that's YouTube or Amazon prime or iTunes or whatever. I haven't looked it up, but I would imagine that it's your standard $3 HD rental. Mm. Um, so you can track it down wherever you prefer to get movies. Mm. That's awesome. I'm, I am excited. I'm a little nervous, but I am excited to see it. I, 
I'm excited because it's the first movie I, I know I legitimately haven't seen and have been, honestly, have been avoiding. And really, I'm only watching it because we're doing this podcast. Right. If we were just doing the rewatch on our own, I would have told us to not watch it. Like, we would we would be watching the Avengers this weekend, probably. Mm. But we'll wait for you. We will. Um, I am also not finding that correction. So we will find it and get back to you. It's on... possible that someone sent it to me as a DM. Oh, maybe. Maybe they, were, they didn't want to publicly correct me, and that's sweet. That whole uh, praise in public and correct in private thing. Um, I thought I knew who it was and then just checked and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So, anywho. Well, we will issue that correction next week. Next week. I will uh, correct myself. After watching the Hulk. But hey, if you have thoughts on Thor or uh, want to send in your ranking of the movies we've watched so far, Send it our way, and then uh, we look forward to watching The Incredible Hulk with you. If you have questions or thoughts on Incredible Hulk, like Edward Norton versus Mark Ruffalo, let us know. Um, and we will be back next week. Oh, let's plug episode. the socials. I think you asked me to do that, and then yeah. I ranted. You can find us on Twitter <laughs> at MarvelousPod, on Instagram, MarvelousWatchers, <laughs> and uh, we have a voicemail, a phone number that you can call to... Leave us a voicemail if you have a long thought or have a question that you would like us to answer. You can reach us on any of those platforms. We are looking up the phone number right now because we can never remember it's it. It's an 828 number. It is an 828 <laughs> number. Let me see. I'll find it. I can do it. Nobody's called it yet, so it's not really a big deal. Um, let's see. Let's see if I if I pull up the... Here we go. You can call 828-278-8607 and you could hear your question or comment on the podcast. Yes, you can. Or uh, also leave us a review wherever you are. If you're on iTunes or on Overcast or Pocket Casts or Google Play or wherever. I don't even know if Spotify lets you rate podcasts. Anyway, tell your friends if they're interested uh, in Marvel movies or movies at all maybe they'll find our conversations interesting and uh join the conversation this uh uh, we see the numbers we really appreciate everybody that's been downloading the podcast and um listening and watching along with us and go ahead and join the conversation reach out to us and and let us know what you think all right is that it i think that's it all right heroes have a great rest of your week and happy new year happy new year see you next week